0: Welcome to the Woke Blokes Podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Centre for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Do you know Milton Erickson? Yeah. He He would do sessions and never look at people. Yeah. He never looked at his clean, He'd like stand behind them yeah. and they'd just stare at a wall and he just have them in trance like that. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Men of Metanoia Podcast number two.
1: Metanoia. <laughs> metanoia. We, we, we're going geezer for today, yeah.
0: I, I really struggle with that word, Metanoia.
1: Metanoia. <laughs> All right, geezers, fucking uh, Metanoia in the house. Back here with Ryan and Nick, <laughs> men of Metanoia, number two, Riser and Nico in the house, yeah. <laughs> A
0: couple of Cockneys.
1: Nick, how are you, mate? I'm good. Have we started? <laughs> we started. <laughs>
0: I've sneakily pressed record, uh, and uh, and we are on. Interesting episode two. How are you, mate? What's the news?
1: I uh, just got back from Thailand. Yeah,
0: looking a bit more tanned than when you left.
1: Uh, yep, yep. Uh, the land of smiles. Funny, actually. There's some topics for us to talk about um, uh, under the facade, I guess, of the the land of smiles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Is that th- what Thailand's called? Is that like its yeah yeah the nickname. land of smiles? Yeah. Okay. But uh, it's interesting, I've I worked with a few Thai people while I was there this time. Um, and they're just like everyone else in the fact that their minds go way too quick. So uh, I took over the Muse headband. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those that don't know, jump on choosemuse.com um, and it's a meditation headband. It's like a training aid to teach people how to meditate. And it's, it's fantastic. Uh, and so I was using that. And just with a five minute meditation, um, I might even be able to upload these photos of the snapshots that I took from the sessions, but their minds were active for like two minutes and neutral for a couple of minutes and then calm for like thirty seven seconds. Right. And the spikes, you know, were really big, the fluctuations between active and calm. Uh, and then, you know, I sort of taught them a few things, gave them some guidance and we did it again. And a massive difference. But with all of them, they're like, oh, I'm just so busy, so thinking all the time. So, you know, on the go, 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 go. And I'm like, it's a universal problem, yeah, isn't well, it? Well, it's human nature, I think. It's yeah. just that, yeah, everyone's so, uh, you know, it's funny, to pick, remember we spoke about this in the first one, I think people are woke these days. And hashtag woke. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag woke as fuck. <laughs> Waf. Um, and... And this is, so this, this shift is sort of the opposite to hashtag maths. <laughs> <laughs> there's this movement into, you know, being more conscious, but I don't I don't know if that's a good thing mm. because people are just in their heads too much. People are, are too massively conscious. Too, I suppose there's a difference. Like, because I think what the consciousness movement is about is being more aware, mm. you know, and being aware of. You know, ourselves and our states. And
0: I suppose it is uh, an issue of language, isn't it? Because you're right. There's a reason why we have a conscious and a subconscious mind and that most of our life, like 95% is our subconscious programs because if we became conscious of all of the programs we're running, we'd go crazy.
1: Yeah. Like, can
0: you imagine if I had to sit here and consciously think about my heart beating, consciously think about how to hold my arms up and my head up? you, you you'd go mental.
1: It can't process that much, can it? No. But do you reckon that's where madness perhaps comes from, is people being... Oh, I just I, I, thought popped up in my head mm. Driving here And it was um, Vision is a, a blessing and a curse Like you know I can see so much you know, After going through what I've been through And everything And coming out the other side And and it's wonderful But it's also um, not great as well Because there's fuck all I can do about a lot of what I see mm. So I've had to move into that acceptance Yeah, that's
0: where a lot of people get caught up as well. I think wanting to, you know, getting really angry at like establishment and the way things are being done and everything, and like if you that's your passion and you want to go and try and change that, then go for it. But a lot of it is just getting angry at the world for the being the way it is. Yeah. When I think there's equally as much love and creativity and everything as there is all the bad stuff, and I think you're right. I think the I often see our whole prefrontal cortex as a bit of a blessing and a curse at the same time as well because whilst we can become aware of our existence, we can think about things that have happened in the past, we can project what might happen onto the future, which has led us to being the most dominant species, well, dominant you know, you know that you can debate what that means, but I'm being sure the most gorillas <laughs> um,
1: don't agree with us.
0: <laughs> being the most dominant species on the planet, however, it's what also causes so much of our anxiety, so much of our depression and all this stuff because it's like we've got this amazing part of the brain that we've evolved, but we don't quite know how to properly use it yet.
1: Yeah, I I think, yeah, you're right. When we're wielding a dangerous weapon and we haven't been trained how to use. And I think, you know, our greatest strengths are our greatest weaknesses the double-edged sword sort of thing and
0: yeah i look at my dog we were talking about over beautiful ramen at southland shopping center mm. we were talking about our dogs <laughs> nick nick's face right now is just reminiscing about the ramen <laughs> from 20 minutes ago mm. <laughs> i always fight i i get caught most meals that i have in my life are one of two ways i eat it and i'm like meh that was all right i wasn't that satisfied or the other way, I'm, like, I'm way too satisfied and I go into a food coma. <laughs> that ramen just left me just on a level that yeah. was like enlightenment.
1: Yeah, you, just, you sat in it.
0: I sat, I'm still sort of sitting in it. I'm glowing. Um, so, the fuck was I talking about? Yeah, so I often think about like humans, like, oh, we're the most intelligent species on the planet. Then I sit there and look at my dog for a while and I start to question and I'm like, Am I? Like, how do you define intelligence? I watched my dog and he couldn't give a flying fuck about what happened an hour ago, a day ago, a year ago. He's not concerned about what happened, what is going to happen in the future. All he cares about is this exact moment right now. Are we playing right now? Are we having dinner right now? What are we doing, Dad? What are we doing? They're in the moment. In the moment. But so that's present. where
1: they're probably woke as fuck. you know. Animals, yeah. So they're, they're kind of more woke then. Yeah. But that's because they don't have this... Stupid thing in the front of their brain. Mm. I don't think it's it's that um, they're just so hyper present. Yeah. In the moment. Just I might have
0: mine removed to see what happens.
1: Let's do it on the next podcast. <laughs> live I'll lobotomy. Th- I'll bring a scalpel and a chisel. <laughs> to a YouTube live. Yes. Facebook live. <laughs> Nick lobotomizes Ryan.
0: <laughs> I'll sign a waiver. Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> I'll sign a waiver saying I'm not a doctor, get but
0: my, I'll get my will sorted.
1: I'll give it a crack.
0: Today, we are talking about shame.
1: Shame on you. Shame. All I think is... Darren uh, Hinch. No, the um, life of Brian where they're just tossing oh, the fruit. Yeah. Shame. <laughs> Why is the name of Derren Hinch? Shame, shame, shame. Oh,
0: that's old school. Yeah, it oh. <laughs> gives you the shudder. Um, that's our topic for the day, shame. Mm. So I thought that we would start a bit of a discussion because one thing you've said to me is you believe shame is the biggest killer of men.
1: Yes. Tell us that a- about what
0: maybe your definition of shame is, and why you think that.
1: Well, that's that's a great question to start with, I think, because I think it's you know we need to unpack a bit. What is shame, and is there things we should and shouldn't be ashamed of? Like the whole concept of shame—is it relevant? Like, and what does it achieve? So, what do you think? Do you think shame is a, a useful tool to have?
0: I think all of our emotions have served a purpose. Have in, in, or do? I think some have, some do. So, do
1: you think we've outgrown some of our emotions? I, I,
0: I believe that we've outgrown shame. Mm, yet, yet it's still so prevalent. Oh, I mm. still get it, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But um, the way I see shame is a lot of the people we have in here at the center. You know, we talk about guilt and shame a lot. You know, mm. guilt and shame two of the biggest drivers of addiction. And mm. someone will say to me, well, "What's the difference between guilt and shame?" And I say, "Well, guilt says what I've done was bad." Shame says I am a bad person for what I've done. Perfect. So it's a really, it's a really deep, heavy emotion. We work, we work a lot with the the scale of consciousness by Dr. David Hawkins, and guilt and shame are the two lowest vibration or heaviest emotions. Shame being the bottom one, right. because it's that deep seated feeling of I am a bad person. There's something wrong with me. I'm not the way I should be. It's a very, very soul destroying emotion, in my opinion.
1: It's mm. Uh, for me, it's uh, go back to that um, workshop I did with um, Dr. Dom DiMatia um, in cognitive behavior therapy, he's a professor of psychology. And I remember he walked in and he's like, You're all ignorant, you're all incompetent, you're all mediocre. And I'm like celebrating him, and goes, Yeah, and people around me went into suffering, you know, they're taking it personally. Yeah. Um, but Over the course, we sort of unpacked that there's these sort of three toxic beliefs and one of them is that I must be perfect. Mm. And I think if, you know, we're talking about the unconscious or subconscious before, I think if you're cruising around with your programming, the core of your processing is I must be perfect, that's, that's a really fine parameter, like a very, very thin parameter. So what happens when you're not perfect? What happens when you... You know, a human and you err uh, What happens when you You know Make a mistake And If you've got this sense of I must be perfect Which is irrational In a literal sense Because no one is perfect mm. uh, Although John Eels, The captain of the yeah. world His nickname was <laughs> Nobody Because nobody's perfect So with John <laughs> with What about John, Mr Perfect The wrestler <laughs> <laughs> Oh how easy We go off on tangents Um <laughs> it's it's yeah this concept uh, i think i'm looking at cause and effect so yeah. effect i think is shame cause i think is this sense of i have to be perfect or i should or i must be perfect mm. uh, and i think
0: do you, do you, this is how i say so that i need to be perfect i think then underneath that is kind of well what happens if i'm not perfect and I think that that the belief there is
1: if I'm not perfect then I won't be loved but there's also there's also one of this, so there's three toxic beliefs am I getting ahead of myself no no it's a perfect segue so I must be perfect but the next one is I must be loved or liked which is also an irrational belief yep. because no human in existence is universally loved the Dalai Lama has his detractors you know Hugh Jackman people think is a quince you know the, the toxic men of the world. Um, Hugh, if you're listening, come on the podcast, mate. Let's chat.
0: That's that's one of our missions on the podcast, by the way, is that we will have Hugh on at some stage. Yeah,
1: so stay tuned. Um, so yeah, you, once again, cause and effect. You look at this, you look at the combination now of these two beliefs. So I must be perfect and I must be liked. So when I'm not perfect, I must be liked. What do people think of me? You know, what am I? What do I look like? And we go into this, so it's a fear. And the fear is an irrational thought, which leads to an irrational behaviour. So we go into this anxiety around, oh, God. And so I think shame is a form of anxiety in a way. It's sort of a debilitating, mm-hmm. you know, it's a just a mind fuck of uh, it's a, nothing's really happening per se. It's, uh, we suffer more in imagination than we do in reality. It's—it's it's, We are causing all our own sufferance.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think that that might come from the fact that we need we do need love when we're younger mm-hmm. okay? we need that love for survival if you take a baby a fresh baby's born and it has it can get fed and everything but if it has no human contact it will die yeah so then if we start to link those things up like I need to act a certain way or be perfect or I won't be loved mm. that's kind of a threat to our survival then mm. yeah so that so then if we because I would off this sort of takes me back to when you bring up shame, there's a few things in my life that come up. The earliest stuff is around school, you know, primary school, high school and that needing to be liked mm-hmm. and if, if anything came up where I was put in the spotlight and I might make a fool of myself, then that shame or embarrassment, because embarrassment and shame are very, very, very similar mm. um, would start to come up.
1: See, I went the opposite way. I too craved attention, but I became the class clown yeah. so I went into this, I have no shame and so I would make fun of myself and get people to laugh at me. I'd, I'd throw myself under the bus. Right. And so I, you know, I couldn't be embarrassed if I tried mm-hmm. because because
0: you were bringing it on yourself.
1: Yeah, but I think I owned it. Yeah. You know, whereas you didn't own it. You you were sort of.
0: Well, it's trying to draw that line. Like I, I would love to make people laugh, and I was you know a class clown in certain circles but then there was a huge difference between making people laugh and people laughing at me mm. um, so for me that, those two weren't close or yeah. merged they were very very different things Yeah. so if I was trying to do something like you know in class we had to read a passage out of a book which I used to be so scared of and I'm like if I fuck this up and they laugh at me I would just would be overcome with anxiety and embarrassment in that moment
1: I don't think by nature people like being in the spotlight though no, you know, no. and and I work with so many people, and they don't like therapy. You know, in inverted commas, because they are the centre of attention; the tension. They're, they're, the focus is on them. Mm. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. But I just thought, then, what's the difference between shame and embarrassment?
0: I I don't think there is anything different. I do. Okay. Mm. You go, and then I will. No, no, I'm. No, I just I if I think about those two and the experience that i've had i i feel like they're really similar because i i would feel if i felt embarrassed um at something that i'd done then i would think that there was something wrong with me or i was a bad person and the byproduct of that is i wasn't going to fit in or be liked so that's really similar to shame for me because i'm still got that underlying like there's something wrong with me i'm a bad person Yeah.
1: I think we're coming down to interpretation. Yeah. Because you know, we were spoken over Rahman about, um, uh, no, I was speaking about it earlier at an appointment, semantics, uh, how important semantics are. So the question I posed about embarrassment and shame, I think guilt is the missing factor for me uh, because I think back on something I'm embarrassed about and I cringe a little bit, but I can laugh at it because I accept that that was a very immature version of me. He had no idea what he's doing. He was very needy um, and his actions were born out of desperation. So I can, I, can, I can step into empathy for that version of me. You know, It's still, you know, it's, it's funny and you know, I'm like, yeah. oh, poor him. But I would, all I want to do is hug him. I don't want to punch him and beat him up and kick him and call him an idiot. No, no, and
0: I wouldn't either, looking back on myself now, but at the time, um, yeah, I thought of like... If Be- I- you beat yourself up? Oh, mate, just ruthless. Why do
1: we self-flagellate so much?
0: What does flagellate mean?
1: Uh, so I remember the old... Um, <laughs> Sounds
0: like a slang term for masturbating or something. <laughs>
1: there is, first gutter trip of the podcast. <laughs> first of me, hopefully. Right. <laughs> so uh, like the priests whipping themselves on the back with the, yep. with the leather, yep. that's flagellation.
0: Yes, so that will okay. I've got a new new word to describe my childhood: (laughs) self-flagellation. (laughs) How was your childhood? Oh, it's just full of flagellation. I flagellated all day and all night. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that that's that's a big story of mine. So it's uh, a lot of anxiety, and then a lot of beating myself up because I mightn't have said the right thing, I mightn't have acted the right way. What did you
1: base? Like I was talking to a client the other day and. It was. This dude's created a massive shift. Like he, we sort of worked for three weeks together, and then I went to Thailand and I saw him yesterday, and it was like a completely different man walked in with a different vocabulary, a, a different every a different energy, a different mm-hmm. everything, and we're talking about beliefs, and he had a belief that oh he wasn't good at. Um, uh, what was it organising stuff or something? Like there was a lot of procrastination, but w- we challenge that belief, which is what I do in my work. And I'm like, where's the where's the evidence for this? So go back to when you were a kid. And where's the where's the evidence of what you did was wrong? Because it's all so subjective. There's of course no, it is. It's very black and white thinking.
0: Yeah. So my mine came from when I was very young. So. It's been a while, so I did the work on it and tried to find out where this came from. So I was like two or three years old, I made a decision that the way that I received love from the world was through the acceptance and adulation from other people. So, you know, someone could tell, well, my parents could tell me they love me a hundred times and I'm like, yeah, cool. But if they praised me for something that I did, then I
1: felt love. What if you didn't believe them? Uh, When? What happened if someone says, I love you, but you didn't believe them?
0: Well, I think part
1: of me didn't. Mm. Like I know. because but that's I think where's the, where's the, where's the evidence for that like to to base a belief on. That's oh, it a, was it was
0: a really silly event. So it was a very silly event where I had I I've got to think of the event now, but I had done something wrong or whatever and then somehow because I was we, we tend to crave the love of the parent. Um, the, sorry, the parent that we crave the love of most is how we sort of direct our behavior. Mm-hmm. So I crave my dad's love the most. So, the, mm-hmm. so I, not consciously, but in my mind, I'm like, who do I have to be and how do I have to act to get my father's love? Yeah. Okay. Now, for whatever reason, him saying I love you didn't feel that way. But if he said to me, "You just did a great job," or "That yeah, was amazing," yeah. you got that answer correct, then I would—it would feel love. Yeah, right. So then, growing up, I go to school, and I'm subconsciously acting out those same patterns. Mm. So if any, if anyone didn't like me, I couldn't handle that. So I'm trying to fit in whilst also getting some sort of adulation and feedback from everyone because that's how I felt love.
1: Mm.
0: So if I, um, if someone didn't give me that adulation or someone didn't accept me as part of the group then it would make me feel horrible and that anxiety and shame would come up.
1: How did that go for you when you were uh, apprentice because uh, uh, this podcast is is pointed at blokes around our age and a lot of them are yeah. uh, uh, tradies.
0: When you just said that okay first memory that popped up I remember being an apprentice first year I was with a guy who's actually a really nice guy and a great tradesman um, a guy who's really good um, however he's quite you know, hard and firm about old how he wants stuff done. Bit old school, but just he had very, very high standards around how work had to be done. And um, I remember a number of occasions where he would have a go at maybe the way I'd done something or he'd, I'd be trying to do with the job really good standard because I knew he wanted a good standard and then he'd make the comment like, you making a fucking career out of this job or what? Because I'd be taking so long because I'm trying to do it right. <laughs> so couldn't, you're damned if you did, damned if you did Correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that would great on me. And there was that many times that I used to think in my head, when I'm qualified and I have an apprentice with me, I'll never fucking talk to them the way he's talking to me. And I look back and I'm like, it's not even bad what he was saying. Yeah, he's yeah. just trying to get the job done and get it done to a good quality. But because I still carried these old beliefs and needed this adulation from mm. people, then whenever I was criticized, it would just it, it would feel like someone was pulling something out of my chest, you know, it was a
1: horrible feeling. And he had no idea that you were interpreting no, of him course like not. that. So he's just going around in his own little world going, da 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 and then here's a little fucking Ryan going, Oh, but I need love and tell me what to do and da 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 da, da. <laughs> And he's just making a little
0: quip about how long I'm taking to do this weld. And meanwhile, yeah, that's and that's sort of carried through. Yeah, high school, then being an apprentice, then being the tradesman. And so, um, how
1: many uh, how many traders out there that have got apprentices? Do you reckon are uh, uh, creating a healthy work environment in terms of how they communicate with their traders? And-
0: yeah, well, it's like there's there's a small percentage of people, and that you find this, I think, in sports as well as, as as trades, there's a small percentage of people who actually get motivation by getting a bit of a foot up the arse. Mm-hmm. Like, cool, mate, you know, do this, whatever. But it's a, quite a small percentage. The vast majority of people kind of need to be encouraged and spoken to a bit differently. Yet, I think the old school is just doing it that first way. Yeah, yeah. so that's, it, you're communicating in a different kind of language.
1: But you have a look at um, AFL, for example, these days. Uh, the coaching world has shifted significantly we might get paul on paul roos on here one day to talk about this yeah um because you know you look at nathan buckley um got collingwood into a grand final last year and you now there was players that were visibly distraught, and he went up and he's he's from the outside looking in stepped into this empathetic role and he's there sort of he's building his players up not tearing him down where in the past it was v- the opposite it was more destructive I think
0: that's a really good example because yeah you've seen that over the last however many years I think you've from an outsider looking in I think that that his approach has changed a lot
1: but then have a look at the evidence he got him to a grand final Mm. you know where for so long they were sort of hovering in and around the eight oh he nearly got the sack yeah
0: because they weren't doing that well and then
1: so I think that old school way of you know, just screaming and spraying. Like, yeah, you know, the, the old sort of crew love it, you know, that, the spray from a coach. Mm. But really, it's, it's, it's sort of – I think it's probably temporary motivation, isn't it? Like, it's very fleeting. It, it, it burns out pretty quickly. Yeah,
0: it doesn't – I don't think it – It doesn't really it ha- feed the soul. It doesn't feed the soul. It doesn't form a, a strong bond and connection. Mm. It's like a real short-term yeah, kick. But, yeah, I, I, we had a client... It gets action. It gets action, yeah. But then long-term, yeah, not sustainable. Yeah. We had a, um, a client here recently and it was funny. We were talking about just sort of as he'd relapse at certain times and he hadn't put the two and two together, but we worked out it's pretty much every time he has to go on back and work with this certain guy that he'd slip up. Yeah, right. And um, we were speaking about that relationship and he said, yeah, he's a friend and he's helped me out a lot, but he'll just make quips at me all the time. Like, you know, oh, those you, little barbs. you're costing me more than I'm paying you. And it's stuff that isn't true. But, and, and I said, have you confronted him about it? And he said, yeah, I've confronted him. But he'll just say like – yeah, but I, you know, I just see your potential, and I want to keep you on your toes and that kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm like, you got to speak to him and say, hey, that's not how I'm receiving it. Yeah. yeah okay, because yeah. he takes things so much to heart. And it's funny when you're in a that trade environment, you know, if, if you do take something to heart, it's not like you're gonna down tools and say, all right, let's have a D&M right yeah. now. You know? <laughs> I need to put this to rest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not laying any more
1: bricks right, until we've spoken about two this. Two turmeric lattes, and uh, we're not gonna <laughs> we're not going back to work till we sort this.
0: So you know, there's a time. In a place to speak about it but it has to be spoken about because it's obviously it's affecting this guy's life so much that he's relapsing at that time what's he relapsing what, what's his drug of choice ice Ice, right and um it's sort of happening at the same time these conversations is not being had and while the, the the boss is thinking that he's encouraging him um, and, and giving him motivation. It's being received in a completely different way and leading to him wanting to escape.
1: So for someone listening to this, going, fuck, yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm that person who keeps relapsing, whether it's ice or you know, smokes or alcohol or junk food or porn or gambling or whatever. What, what's the conversation they can have with their boss? Like how would, how would they go to their boss? Because you can't go, you're the reason I'm on ice. Like, because oh, no, Of tr- course it's not, not true. No, uh, I
0: mean, I, I think it's just got to be a. Well, that's no, not true. But I think it's a matter of saying, hey, mate, I need to have a chat. Can we chat after work today or however it is? It's and going just to have saying. A pot and Palmy for dinner. Pot and Palmy, however you want to do it. I and just then said just.
1: Palmy. Oh. Palmy. Oh. What's that? I read it the other day. We'll go into it later. But apparently, is that some Cockney people say, as well? Some people say Palmy. Some people say Palmy. I'm a Palmer. I'm a Palmer too. Yeah. I, I have heard Palmy.
0: I, just, and I think I thought people were just not speaking right or they were drunk. But, yeah, no, palm is no good. Uh, I'm going to
1: flagellate myself later (laughs) saying that. (laughs)
0: Um, And you can say to them, hey, mate, these are all the positives with work, blah, blah, blah. When you say these certain things to me, and it's not your fault, I just need to let you know how I'm feeling because I want to be the most productive worker for you. When you say those things, I receive them in this way and it actually is affecting my mental health. And it's not your fault, but I want to be the best worker I can for you. Because at the end of the day, your boss wants um, productivity. Yeah. And if he knows that what he's saying, because if he, if he knows what you're saying is hurting your feelings, he might care or he mightn't. If he knows that what he's saying is affecting affecting his bottom line, he'll fucking pay attention. And that's the
1: thing, because it's, it's about what's in it for me is yes. human nature again, isn't it? So yeah. if you say, here's, here's, some, here's something that's going to help you you know, get better outcomes with me and, and increase your bottom line is is or prick up. Yeah. You know? And you go, This is this is how I need you to communicate with me. Exactly. And then he's gonna
0: either go, All right mate, fair enough and he'll change his behaviour or he'll go, the fuck are you talking about? And if he continues that behaviour, change jobs. Yeah, go. Like just fucking – you could imagine you, your environment that you set up in your life is dictating so much of the outcomes that you're mm-hmm. getting. And if there's a part of your environment which is affecting your mental health, you've got to change it. Go. Yeah? You're the one who has to wake up with you every day. And if you're not in the right mental state, it's on you to start to take the steps to change it. And people are like, oh, well, I've got a, I've got a mortgage. So I've got to pay the bills.
1: Find another job. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah? they go into this justification of why I can't do it. Yeah. And I, I talk with clients so much about that and this whole – Too hard basket, and I think having a too hard basket is one of the worst things we can do for ourselves, because we get into that. I can't do it. This is this is all the reasons why I can't do it. All you're really doing is setting these glass ceilings and these barriers, invisible barriers that are going to stop you from going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And then, 12 months time, you'll be even deeper into your ice addiction and go, Oh, I see, and then you'll start blaming everyone else. And it's just a real slippery slope. Mm -hmm. So if you can get rid of your too hard basket and Start to listen, change the narrative, talk about why you can do things. Well, of course it's gonna be difficult to move, of course it's gonna be challenging to find another job, of course it's you know, it's gonna take effort, um and it's gonna take me getting out of my comfort zone, but I can do this of course. because I'm important enough to do it for.
0: Yeah, it's I mean it's your life at the end of the day. And it can help even speaking to you, whether it's, you know, your partner or your family member or a friend and just say, Hey, this is what I'm gonna do but how uh, many ins- pe- how
1: many people take you know you said before it's your life at the end of the day, but this is the thing I work on how many people take responsibility for their their life uh very few yeah yeah so if someone's not walking around with this okay, and you and I didn't once upon a time fuck it was my happiness was you know everyone else's responsibility um so it wasn't we till you and I both went through our Breakdowns and rebuilds. Our metanoia. Metanoia. My metanoia. <laughs> um, that we learnt. Oh fuck! Hang on. I'm responsible for my happiness. But there's so many mm. dudes out there that are just. Yeah. You know, my boss is. My boss makes me angry. My boss makes me upset. My boss makes me this. Mm. Your boss doesn't make you anything. Yeah. Your boss is a stimulus, and your reaction to your boss is to feel upset or agitated. But you, you can move. it's going to be hard it's going to be difficult Mm -hmm. but you can do it
0: yeah yeah no I think it's so much easier to not take responsibility and blame and I did it so much I think we had to change our perspective because we were forced to like my happiness was reliant on drugs and those drugs were killing me so it's like (laughs) I've got to change the way I look at my life and start taking responsibility because if I keep doing what i'm doing i'll be dead or in jail
1: but you didn't see that as those drugs were killing me at the time you saw it as these drugs are making everything amazing yeah
0: yeah but i i, I knew they were killing me at the same time yeah
1: yeah but did you bury that yes yes so 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 <laughs> <laughs> absolutely found me a good old it's funny in
0: in the um in those circles in the drug scene yeah you Whenever a serious issue came up, like what it was doing to our health or the fact that I lost so much weight, the fact that I was overdosing every now second you've day. you put
1: that back on, haven't you?
0: You do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bulking. Trying to get huge again. Um, and... So you and then whenever a serious topic came up, it'd just be like a bit of a joke. Everyone would sort of laughed and ha <laughs> ha ha. Quick, let's have more drugs and not talk about this stuff. <laughs> mask it, mask just it, just mask it. Well, that's that. I think- so I knew I, I knew it was killing me in the mid to long term, but the need for me in the short term to escape was greater than yeah, that worry. I mean. It outweighed it. It outweighed
1: it. So I think we can wrap that up in it's a facade, and people by nature are great at putting up a facade. Mm-hmm. and so because I'm just trying to link this back into shame yep. um, I think people are ashamed at, at being real of people seeing yes. the flaws like you know, look at Instagram and Facebook and all the socials and that uh, people only put up their, their positive, happy, best side selves and they'll edit everything and put filters on mm-hmm. you know? and when you look at it that way like we're filtering our lives we're applying filters to our lives to try and change our reality yeah. to make them look better
0: it's yeah. fucking retarders. It's it? um, that's a really good point. Yeah, you know, um, it's making me imagine like back in the day when we might be in a tribe or even just living in a country town, and you you know catch up with the people you knew and talk about stuff, and they might say, "Yeah, farm's going well, but I'm having an issue with uh, my relationship." And you talk about the good stuff and the bad stuff and everything. Yeah. Now our connections or this relationship is thousands of people on social media, and all we see is the highlights. Yeah. So now you've got to imagine that comparison now is just so out of whack. And then I think we get embarrassed of our shame or embarrassed of our lives mm. because we're like, oh, I haven't got anything good to show to the world. And I think when you said shame's the biggest killer, I think you're spot on because suicide's the number one killer of men under the age of 50. Mm-hmm. Men commit suicide because of shame.
1: I us see. The depression – is a catalyst, and anxiety is a catalyst, and and mental health issues are a catalyst for suicide. But I think shame is what gets them across the line, yeah. unfortunately, mm-hmm. because you know, blokes don't ever want to go and see a doctor when when go back to you know Monty Python and you know he's come back and I'll bite your balls off, but you don't have any arms or legs. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> just a flesh wound. Yeah, it's just a flesh wound, and and blokes have that. That you know, running through their heads, and it's no, I don't need to see a doctor. Mm. Well, you kind of do, mate. You've got a bone hanging out of your leg. No, no, she's fine. I'll walk it off. Really, it's like so.
0: They do that with physical health, and then we do it times 50 with mental health, times 51.
1: Times 51. (laughs) (laughs) I need a calculator. How much (laughs) is that? (laughs) It's a lot times 51. It's true. Yeah, Yeah, it's like you know, but 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 but. we, so I went up to Swan Hill a few weeks ago and run a, a workshop up there, just a free presentation with one of my clients because he, he's from up there and invited us up and I said let's just put something on for blokes of, of the community to see what happens, more of an experiment than anything. And I sort of created 20 tickets, 20 seats, I thought let's just hire a room at a pub Um because unfortunately, you got to get beer or tits to get blokes in. Still need that entry point. I've uh, just returned from Thailand, but I didn't get the operation. So, um, so I thought, let's use beer. You just had drink. one done. That's really yeah. weird. <laughs> it's for your viewing pleasure. One right in the middle <laughs> of my forehead. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, but th- thirty blokes ended up turning up to this thing, right? Which was amazing. Yeah. Which was w- way more than anticipated. And I said, to, I said to them, who here has mental health, as I do? And two of them or three of them put their hand up, and I, I did whole, and I do this at every presentation or workshop I do. And okay, what do you associate with when I say mental health? And everyone's depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, bipolar, PTSD, suicidal, all the negatives. Um, so there's this, there's this misunderstanding of what mental health is first and foremost. Uh, which is creating this really unhealthy perception. I don't I don't like the word stigma because uh, I've got to break a stigma. You know, I don't know, it just doesn't resonate with me. So I, I changed it to there's this unhealthy perception. And one of the blokes came up to me afterwards and he goes, Oh, great question about who here has mental health issues. And I'm like, I, di- I didn't ask that question. Hmm. He's like, What? I said, I, I said, Who here has mental health? So there's. Uh, I just realized there's this subconscious, you know, programming going on that people interpret mental health as mental health issues mm. and so of course no one's putting their hand up
0: it'd be like um associating physical health with physical illness yeah. so because if, if you picture say what's physical health you're like oh i'm fit and i've got big muscles and everything people wouldn't say what's physical health and like oh, i'm broken arm oh, oh, um yeah, syphilis cancer and-
1: syphilis that's <laughs> <laughs> too much <laughs> flagellation oh, <that's laughs> I was trying to fit that in somewhere. Well <laughs> I guess I'll say, buddy. Don't worry. It's all, it's all routine.
0: I keep wanting to say it, but I forget how to <laughs>
1: <I> say it. for <laughs> <laughs> Um but it, yeah, and it was it was really interesting to to hear that guy. But then all these dudes hung around after and had a beer. And suddenly the dialogue changed and, and once there was a you know, I, I opened up this space and then my client came and did an amazing job of talking about his stuff so there was no shame from me talking about my journey there was no shame from a client talking about his journey and what he's managed to achieve so all of a sudden we gave this room full of dudes permission to suddenly start looking at it differently and so many hung around for a beer and just just listening in me and ryan my client were just looking at each other in amazement going are you seeing what i'm mm-hmm. seeing here like mm-hmm. these dudes everyone stayed there till
0: they were opened up they were, but. So that probably leads into how we start to get past shame. And it's so like if we've still got shame about our past and we don't, or we're very anxious or scared to start talking about it, maybe it's about getting around people who have no shame and can speak about their past without shame. Yeah. Because that'll give us permission to do it.
1: Well, like the, the trademark boys, you know, with their loud work shirts. To start conversation around men's mental health in the trade industry. And so it takes takes someone with courage to wear one of these shirts because they're very bright and loud and, you know, you can be seen from a mile away. So people could take the piss out of you, you know, who didn't understand or knew nothing about it. A nice shirt, fuck it, what are you wearing that for, blah, blah. So you sort of paint a bit of a target on yourself by wearing these shirts. But I think what's coming through, and why there's such a movement behind the trademark dudes is because people are using courage to overcome shame. Like they're, You can go one of two ways. You can go into, oh, I can't wear that shirt, it's gonna be embarrassing, and you can, you know, too hard basket, there's all the reasons why I can't wear it. Or I can wear it because it's not actually about me, it's mm-hmm. about us, it's mm-hmm. about a collective, it's about a bigger picture, it's about a higher purpose, and, So we take the spotlight off ourselves and, yeah, I'm wearing a bright-coloured shirt, but the spotlight's not on me as a person. It's on on men's mental health. It's the message. Yeah. So people are stepping into their courage um, instead of stepping into their shame.
0: Yeah, because I think when we just think about us individually, we can tend to shrink. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we've got, oh, it's not about me, it's about the message. Well, I can expand now.
1: Well, I have to think about someone up on stage singing a solo you know, all of a sudden, if they've got a, a hint of insecurity, that's going to flare up, mm. yeah, and the anxiety is going to just kick in the and overwhelm them and, oh, God, and they're going to break out in a sweat and their voice is going to start cracking and it's going to affect their performance and it's going to go downhill. Now, all of a sudden, if you stick a choir behind them, oh, it's, it's not about me anymore. It's about us. It's mm. about this collective. So the anxiety... Doesn't even get a chance to pop up.
0: Yeah, I found that with uh, speaking. To be honest, um, doing public speaking and that kind of thing. Yeah, right. I think if you get I used to get up and the the number one thought would be, "What are people going to think of me? I've got to make sure I say things right. You know, get get the structure right."
1: Was that a conscious thought, or, or could you actually hear that that thought playing through your mind?
0: It was a feeling. I'm more of a feelings-based person, so right. I, I know what the where the feeling comes from and yeah. what it's about. So yeah. to be that high, high anxiety and okay. nervousness. So then a the, big shift to me was saying, "Oh, hang on, it's not about you, mate. <laughs> I've got a message here that I want to deliver. Yeah. How can I be the best conduit for that message? Okay, totally. so now it's about the message. It's not about me.
1: So now that's a perfect segue into ego. Oh. Mm we don't even hire a crowd here that's not canned canned ooh that's uh, that's that's bottled so shame and ego I think go hand in hand Mm -hmm. and I want to do that the passion of meditation all all that they kept talking about was less me less my less I Mm -hmm. stop making about you me 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 my 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 my, I I I can. and you just said it perfectly when you stopped making about you you you, all of a sudden you you reframed it in your head and you just became a conduit instead of the source you know so if you're the source people can question it and judge it and and challenge it and all that sort of thing which is going to create fear Mm. yeah but all of a sudden I'm just a conduit now and that reframe in your head got you out of ego and freed you up really yes Yes. so imagine how many dudes out there are struggling with mental health issues um, who are no. yeah. suffering? Yes, uh, who are suffering with mental health? That's, that's, that's a <laughs> that's a bullshit phrase. <laughs> no one suffers from mental health, um, and they're struggling with mental health issues. But their ego, because of how they've been programmed, you know, back to what we were speaking about before, from early childhood and everything, says, "I can't go." You know, their dads were saying, "No, no, I don't need you to go to the bloody doctor." No, no, I'll be right. No. Mm. And their mates are going, "Ah, no, that no, princess," and all this sort of stuff. There's no real uh, co-creation for them to, to, to go. You know what? I'm actually struggling. I'm, I'm going to go and see someone. Mm-hmm. So the ego is the one that becomes ashamed.
0: Yes, yeah, I think we we go. We're, we're not going to go through life from a child to an adult without having some sort of physical ailment. We'll hurt ourselves we might break a bone we'll get some sort of illness we'll get a virus and that kind of thing and we we accept and acknowledge that i'm going to have some shit go wrong but then as as guys we're like well i'm never going to have a mental health issue right my whole life and if i do if i do have that means that there's something wrong with me or i'm broken in some way
1: But, but i just realized we love showing off our scars ah
0: i like where you're going here yeah don't we yes
1: like, you break a leg? It's hey everyone, come and sign my plaster cast. And then oh, I had to be bone fused. Check out the length of my scar. Seventeen stitches. I've got a few in the back of my head. You know, oh, check out, check out a car ran over my head. You know, check out my stitches. Yeah. But none of us are going around. And the going, other guys like, whoa. Yeah, so impressive. Sick. You know, but none of us are going around with oh, You and I are doing it here today. You know, we're showing our mental scars, our mental health scars. That's what
0: we're doing, isn't it?
1: Yeah. But no one's doing that,
0: mm.
1: really. No, Everyone's ashamed of the injury, the mental health issue, and are afraid to go and get it treated. Yes. I think that's changing. I'm seeing it changing in my work because um, I've sort of seen a shift. I've probably got 60 65% client base is male now because mm-hmm. I've been trying to niche in working with blokes. Um, but – I think what's facilitated that shift is that I'm I'm coming at it from an educational perspective instead of a therapy. Uh, You know, you guys don't need therapy; you need educating. Mm -hmm. And so, I think taking the word therapy out has helped. Yes, but yeah, I
0: think it's because the mental illness is very medicalized so you know these Very things clinical, they're, well, they're seen as like diseases and stuff now yeah so that's not like hey i've got this broken leg and i'm going to heal it and then the leg's going to be a little bit stronger than before because i'm going to have it, it's going to calcify mm. around the break or mm. you know i have this virus and my body's going to go through and fight off that virus then i'm going to come stronger. out and i'll be stronger and immune to that in the future so yeah. when we then when we say oh i've been diagnosed with depression then i think Because of the way it's looked at in society, we think that's something I'm going to have forever. Whereas it should be seen as okay. I'm being shown feedback about my life,
1: like your your mind has a cold. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and a lot of times, I mean, there's clinical depression. There's a couple of different forms, and but by and large, most of us don't experience permanent depression.
0: No, and I think if we then accepted the belief as a as a group, as a community, that hey, I'm going through this thing right now, which on the other side of it, I'll be a stronger person. Okay. Yeah. I think then we're going to be more likely to be able to talk about those scars and actually get the help that we need. So
1: maybe we get Hugh Van Kylenberg on here from the Resilience Project as well, because he, um, uh, what you talking about, you're coming back stronger. I think you come back more resilient, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm trying to work in a proactive way with the education to teach people to, um, Al- help them alleviate unnecessary suffering suffering you know in my term is depression anxiety shame guilt all those sort mm-hmm. of mental health issues so i'm trying to work in a preventative way by you know putting a b and c in place in order for you to self-manage better and you know self-regulate more yes but i'll listen to Hugh one day one of his um presentations that he was doing he was talking about in india uh, he spoke about suicide in Australia, and the Indian people I forget what region. Just looked baffled, and they're like, "What do you mean?" And he's like, "Yeah, you know, people dudes in Australia kill themselves, and they just couldn't get their head around it. They're like, well, how could someone take their own life? Like, so it was a foreign concept for some humans on this one. How
0: could they take their life in Australia, or just no, in general? In general,
1: right? Yeah. How does a human take their own life? Mm-hmm. Like, because yeah, you know, they they they've got fuck all in this little village. Like this kid's grateful for having a red bucket, mm. and I'm so stoked I've got a red bucket. Hey, I'm going to show him a red bucket. Hey, do you want to use my red bucket? It's not my bucket; it's just a red bucket. And
0: it's an awesome red bucket. Yeah. yeah,
1: and, and I well, I'm happy with it. And imagine if I'm happy with it, you might be happy with it. And I want to share that happiness. So here, use my red bucket. You know, it's 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 not that. That greed and that ego and That's that- that's
0: right It's stepping out of ego again Yeah Because once it becomes my bucket You know oh. It's like my, my watch So this thing on my arm It's just a watch mm. Right give it, give it to me then You can have it if you want And it's <laughs> And But as soon as it becomes Score. As soon as it becomes my watch It takes on some magical power Because if it's a watch You can go That's a pretty shit watch And I'm like Alright But if it's my watch And you criticise it I'll be like fucked i like this watch so what's
1: what's happening there do you know
0: well i'm stepping i'm stepping into pride I, i'm taking ownership of something as if this random bits of metal is mine so it's part of my identity okay. so then i see it as you're attacking my identity instead of just
1: commenting you're on my personalizing watch. it yeah so then it's for you getting offended at it but remember <coughs> sorry it was a bottle the source of all pain is attachment hmm so, you're attaching to that watch. Yes. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, through that attachment, if someone criticizes it and you've attached to how it makes you look or how it makes you feel or whatever, so you've become codependent on having this watch and people thinking that it's the best watch in the world. Yeah. So, all of a sudden, you've set yourself up for so much suffering. Yep.
0: Whereas, if someone, if I was to step out of my ego and someone said, mate, that is the best watch I've ever seen, I'd be like, mate, do you want it? wear it? Because it doesn't matter who the watch is on, it's just the watch.
1: I found that with, um, once again, the the Vipassana retreat, I learned that I loved things very conditionally. Uh, So I ended up doing the retreat because my wife at the time and I had separated and I prioritised my mental health and, and my happiness and I thought I've always wanted to do a Vipassana retreat, so I went and did it. And so my ex had, had a niece, um, Violet, and she, her and I just you know, bonded for some reason and we were best friends and she lived in Adelaide and whenever her and I were together, it was just the two of us, everything else disappeared. And when we separated, the amount, I was more upset about not seeing Violet than the relationship ending you know, because my bond with Violet was so strong, my attachment to Violet was so strong. And I don't know, maybe... 10 days in a row of meditating and do this to a man but I gained some insight and one of those insights was I loved Violet on the condition that she was in my life mm-hmm. and that I had access to her and that I could see her. So coming into that understanding and awareness, I could then shift it and into an unconditional love like the watch and I just loved the fact that Violet's out there. Yes, And... People are going to bump into this amazing little creature and they are going to be so happy and I'm happy knowing that other people are going to be happy with Violet. Yeah. And that was so liberating.
0: Yeah. That's, that's unconditional. Yeah. You, know, we, we, you see it the most in, um, in relationships and it's like we feel like we love someone but it is just conditional. It's like, I love you. But mm. you have to make me feel a certain way. You yeah. have to act a certain way. You can't go off and do this other stuff that in my mind that's not going to be appropriate to do. Yeah. Instead of just saying... It's not meeting my needs. Not meeting my needs. So This is this other person. I love you unconditionally.
1: Yeah. yeah. So was it the Buddha or the Dalai Lama? One of those dudes. One of those woke dudes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was talking about um, if you love a flower... Well, They're talking about love, and it's if if you if you like a flower, you'll pick it, and if you love a flower, you'll let it grow, and you'll just watch it and water it and feed it and everything. Yeah. And he who understands that understands life. And I think
0: that's a good one. There's another one I think as well, I heard, similar. It's just the man who plants the seed of a tree, knowing he'll never get to enjoy the shade, is yeah. starting to understand the meaning
1: of life. Yeah. And uh, so what that? Uh, none of that is about you it's about the other thing you know it's about other people experiencing shade down the track or it's about that flower growing to bloom and people walking past it and seeing it you know it's such a selfish thing and i think with that ego we become so selfish and then the shame kicks in and then we go into that suffering and then depression and anxiety and you know even cardiovascular disease from the underlying stress mm. and we, we open the door to all of that based on our operating system. Yes. We're, we're not woke. Unwoke. Un- did Sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, yeah, it's sad though. And that's why I love w- doing what I do now because I'm working in such a different space. I'm working in such a different way that it's sort of catching people's awareness and they're going, oh, you're, you're working in a preventative way oh you're working with the cause and changing that which is going to change your effect and and you're just altering and shifting and changing the dialogue and the beliefs and the way that we operate and teaching people about ego and less ego and all that sort of stuff and I think when people experience it like you and I have it sort of it's, it makes sense doesn't it? It makes
0: complete sense it's sort of that common sense that's laying in plain sight
1: But how hard is it and that's the thing that's you know how hard is it to take your watch off that you've bought because you loved it and you think it looks good and you go, here, mate, have my watch? Mm. Like, rare is the man that can do that, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I'm not giving you my watch. You said you were. <laughs> I'm entering I'm suffering because I was not, attached to the I'm belief not there that yet. you were giving it to me. <laughs> I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. But I bet you you would give anything to Tommy. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Right. You love him unconditionally, don't yeah. you? A three and a half month old baby.
0: And that's um, that's interesting as well because I noticed even with that experience of being a new dad that the ego wants to rear its head as well. Mm. So, you know, little Tommy's there and he's on his playmat and we're having a laugh and he smiles at me and I'm like, fuck, I love this dude so much. And then, you know, an hour later... He's crying. I don't know what he's crying for, and I still love him the same. But then my ego is like, "Oh God, like I'm taking it personally to an extent." <laughs> and then yeah, after like two seconds, I'm like, "What? You think your three-month-old kid is intentionally trying to piss you off?
1: <laughs> he's consciously deciding I'm going to make that suffer yeah. by crying. That's fine, but that's your ego. You're yeah making it about you. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah.
0: So we can never get rid of our ego, but we can understand it and acknowledge it and be better at looking at it like it's a you know like a a, an angry dog or something and just patting it and saying hey it's all right it's all right because i see I, i i'm this is my opinion i see you know there's gurus and spiritual teachers and all this kind of jazz who are like oh i've transcended the ego i'm not sold on that i don't think we can transcend the ego
1: based on what based on being human so you think to to be human is to have ego yes that's a definite for you. Uh, is that fact? No, that's well. It's,
0: it's not fact. It's it's my belief.
1: Yeah, yeah. and so that's your illusion, isn't it? That's Correct. Your perception. It is. Which is your reality. Yeah. So imagine, because I've never witnessed it. Yeah. So imagine how many people are walking around, and I'm just using you as an example here, are walking around with a baseless belief. Like as I said, there's no facts supporting it. There's no evidence. It's just your belief, mm. you know. So you can never really know. Like um, reincarnation. We'll never really know, but people walk around with this illusion. Yes. I believe in it, reincarnation. Yeah.
0: Um, but I think, it, yeah, it comes down to what illusion do I want to believe?
1: Exactly. But what what suits me the best? What what fits my purpose yes. the best? Yes, and, and what meets my needs the most? But then when I bump into you and my illusion is different to your illusion, oh, God, it's going to be conflict, you know? It's going to be Generally. grating. Generally. But I, I, I
0: actually enjoy that, though. Like yeah, in, but, in the but, past, but, I would have fucking hated it. Mm-hmm. But now I enjoy seeing someone else's illusion and comparing <coughs> illusions.
1: Yeah, but that's because you're woke as fuck, though. Yeah. that's uh, No, but yeah. imagine you how, watch. Many, how many people out there are walking around in an illusion and thinking that their illusion is the only illusion that should exist. And they're so connected to their illusion. Yeah, religious people. Yeah, no, but everyone. Like, I've got clients. I've got a, a really good mate of mine coming to see me. And he realised that he was in you know, his narrative, which is his illusion, was so strong. He was, he was, and everyone I work with does this. They live in the reality of what they think should happen mm-hmm. instead of the reality of what does happen. Mm. You know, so he was trying to bend and twist and sh- and and make the world meet his needs based on what he believed should be happening. People shouldn't drive slowly in this lane. <laughs> you know. People shouldn't leave that mess there at work. But people shouldn't you know, take the last of these things from the supermarket people shouldn't do that yeah. well, what's going on here so that was his illusion and I think it's, it's the same people carry these beliefs and rarely do people stop and evaluate their beliefs and go are these still serving me mm. like what's the ripple effect of having these beliefs what, uh, where are these taking me because they 're just a vehicle the belief systems are programming one plus one equals potatoes sometimes with people 's beliefs and mm. they 're so convinced that one plus one equals potato flat earth society classic example you know that 's an illusion for them mm-hmm. uh, but they go into deep suffering when someone will challenge it because they 're so attached and connected to it mm. so I think as as a species know I think we can do well to stop and evaluate our beliefs and go all right how much of this is based on fact or logic or rationality and,
0: and at the end of the day none of it is so it's so it's all an illusion but then the only way to ask the question is this illusion serving me best is to ask those questions you've asked where, it,
1: where are these beliefs taking me but it, not only is it serving me best is it serving the world mm. you know is it serving others Otherwise, you're just making it about is it serving my ego, mm-hmm. and we want to try and shift out of that. According to Captain Poopy Pants over here, we can't get rid of our ego, so we need to just stop feeding it. Perhaps. How did you know my special name? Mel told me. His <laughs> safe word is pineapple too. By the way, <laughs> Captain Poopy Pants.
0: Um, <laughs> I yeah, that's that's true. I, I when I first you know did a lot of work and had my certain experiences when I got real woke I thought that I could completely get rid of my ego Mm. and then based on my experience which probably comes from my belief is I've gone back to the point that life is about controlling's not the right word understanding and having a relationship with our ego so I think there's healthy ego and unhealthy ego
1: I just came up with a bumper sticker okay feed your soul not your ego
0: done if we'll get them made up. Trademark. Men of Metanoia.
1: Metano- metanoia. <laughs> Trademark. <I've>, um, <laughs> what time do we have to finish?
0: We're all right. We're just coming up on an hour. Nice. Just because it's coming up, I, I've been doing a bit of research on death recently because I'm just a fun guy, right? <laughs> and um, <laughs> Speaking about... We can't, it, wait
1: to, we can't wait to hang out with you at your sp- birthday party. Speak-
0: yeah, we're going to have great fun on Sunday night.
1: <laughs> time for a toast,
0: everyone. Let's talk about everyone's death. Um... <laughs> I there's a guy named I think it's Thomas Becker who wrote a book in nineteen seventy four. Can't remember the bloody
1: name and of it name now. Boris Becker who played tennis. Yeah, <laughs> Tennis
0: player slash author <laughs> Boris Becker slash guy <laughs> who roots maids in closets.
1: Do you remember that? Oh but that's a that's a story for another day. <laughs> he got caught
0: in the like the closet of his house or some other's house, um, rooting a maid or something. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, Copper Crutch, Boris Becker. Um, So I have been doing a bit of research on this book and this guy, his view of death was that at some point when we're younger, we... Because like we spoke about earlier, every other animal that exists, as far as we know, can't project out into the future, think about things of the past that mm. are sort of in the now.
1: Ignorance is bliss.
0: Ignorance is bliss. So where this creature that can do those things, which mm. is amazing. But because of that, we can imagine a future. We can imagine different scenarios. We can imagine different dimensions where we don't exist, right? And at some point, we come to the realization that we're going to die mm-hmm. and that the world's going to go on and we're not going to be here. Mm-hmm. And that's the ultimate fear that we have that scares us shitless.
1: That's a very global generalization because Buddhists don't believe that.
0: Uh, yeah, no, but this, so this is where it goes. So at some point, we get to that point. So from there, we will do anything we can – to believe that we're gonna live on after our death. Mm. So this is mm. why this is why people now follow or create religions because mm. oh, my soul goes on. I actually believe that myself, but my soul goes on after death and I'll reincarnate. So that means I will exist after my physical death. This is why people strive to build big companies. I'm gonna build a, a big building and put my name on it. I'm gonna have a big family and they're gonna have kids to and I'm gonna build an empire because we're so scared of the idea More of us dying—we need to live on in some way, and we know that the physical body is going to die, but we need to live on in some other way. And so, this guy's saying all striving, all human striving, comes from this fear of death, and that's why we actually—well, that's why we're motivated to do anything.
1: So, I'm, I'm, Buddhism and Stoicism underpin my work. Yep, and they both speak of very similar things. That's why I think I'm so attracted to both of them. And stoicism uh, that talks about memento mori, uh, rem- and remember you will die. Mm-hmm. So it's this daily reminder that you're going to die. And the funny thing is as soon as we're born, we start dying. Yes. Like, wrap your head around that. As soon as we're born, we start to die. Mm-hmm. But no one sort of buys into that until they're diagnosed or given a bit of paper, or mm-hmm. a, uh, someone in a white coat says, You are dying. Oh, fuck. Oh, I'm going to change my life completely then. <laughs> oh, I'm giving everything up and giving everything to charity. I'm going to go and tour the world and see everything. I'm going to tell people I love them. Exactly. Yeah. But but oh, we are dying. So I do this in, in my presentations as well. I go, Imagine instead of a birth certificate, you were given a death certificate with the time and date that you were going to die. Mm. Imagine how different your life would be. Yeah. You know? Imagine what you would do differently.
0: Yeah,
1: it's crazy, isn't it? That is crazy. Because we take it for granted. We take us. We, we expiration date. We come, we come up with these concepts like I'm saving time. I, 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 I've never met a clock that will pause ticking. <laughs> you know, I don't. The think earth will stop spinning. I don't think you are saving time. Yeah. I think you are creating illusion. Yeah. That you are saving time. But it's this whole it's this whole concept of you're right it's to escape death and to yeah. escape this fear of death. I wonder how pe- how would you handle that if you could
0: pre- if you were given a specific certificate saying this is when you die? I think a lot of people couldn't handle it.
1: No uh, well it depends like if, if it was given with some education, I think the world would be a much better place. Mm-hmm. I think if you you know in Buddhism they talk about um, law of nature, everything's impermanent, so impermanence everything has an expiry yeah. date. So, you know, and that's another version of and remember you will die, you know. Yes. Um, so they're both saying the same thing. It's that before you can live, you have to realize you're going to die. Mm-hmm. You have to embrace your mortality. And people, it's funny, you can see someone's belief system get challenged when when you say memento mori or "everything everything's impermanent. And because they're like, oh, oh, that's so morbid. How dare you? Oh, that's... Oh, why do you want to talk about death? But they're they're not they're not taking it in in the way that's intended. They're having an aversion to it mm-hmm. because they're so afraid of death. Instead of understanding that once you embrace it, you're just you know have some skin on some bone on a rock hurtling through the unknown, and one day you're going to disappear. You're mm-hmm. just a collection of particles, and one day those particles are going to be rearranged into a tree or something.
0: And that's it's like the one certainty of, yeah. of living. Yeah. And I think, yeah, we want put to it, put it off in the distance. Oh, no, I'll worry about that later. I'll worry about that later.
1: But why? So many people hate life. So mm. many people hate their lives. Mm. Fucking Monday. Yeah. Like, all right, well, deconstruct all your particles, release your consciousness, let your particles return to nature and become a tree and actually serve a purpose in this life. Mm. If you're going to hate your life, if you're going to hate Mondays, it'll put a post about this if you live to 80 you're gonna hate 11 years of your life god damn it 11 years. garfield what garfield hates mondays yes he does so (laughs) if you're a garfield of the world you're gonna hate 11 years now if i said to you when you were born ryan the purpose of your life you're gonna live to 80 so that's pretty good um but you're gonna hate 11 of these years would you go sweet looking forward to that that wouldn't be a conscious decision you would know. make, would it? No. So that's an unconscious decision. Yes. And that's where we've got to stop and reevaluate and reassess. I think. Mm. So there's a, I'm just showing you my phone. There's a um, there's a passing of this lady called Emily Levine, and she did a TED talk called "The Gift of Life and Death," and it's well worth watching. So jump on my Facebook um, at MindFit program i think it is and check her out and she talks about um this concept of you know she's got stage four lung cancer and she's just loving life mm. you know because it's just this pure acceptance that i have I an haven't expiry date i'm yeah. two liters of milk and i've got a big bloody blue stamp on the side of me <laughs> you know and one day i'll turn sour and i'll curdle and i'll get tipped down the sink yeah You can either fight that and be afraid of that or you can move into an acceptance of it and go, well, before I get tipped down the sink, I better try and extract as much as I can out of this thing. Yes.
0: Yeah, and I think those are the people that are more engaged with life. So if I've come to terms and accepted my death, then I'm more engaged
1: with life. Yeah. Yeah. exactly. Well, you can't can't live until, as I said, you know you're going to die. Yeah. So otherwise you're just keeping that facade up and that's where – Shame kicks into it again. Yeah. So
0: beautiful, mate. Should we wrap this baby up?
1: Yeah, like your birthday present.
0: Yeah. Ryan's <laughs> birthday in a couple of days. Birthday in a couple of days. How um, old? Well, I would rather not talk about it. <laughs> How old? Nah, thirty-five. 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 Yeah. Right. I'm um. I'm funny. I've I've never worried about both fan numbers and that kind of thing. For some reason, thirty-five is having I've got a weird connotation with. Maybe because I think like. I have a, a weird belief in my head that, third, you know, your physical prime is, you know, maybe 25 to 35,
1: that kind of thing. It's all an illusion. It's
0: all an illusion, isn't yeah. it? I think my best years are to come. Burst your illusion. Recreate yeah. an illusion.
1: Right. I, I, I keep forgetting how old I am. Mm-hmm. I, just because I, 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 it has no relevance, I think. it's It's pretty weird when you think about it. Like, you line 20 people up. You're not going to be able to tell how old everyone is.
0: I am... With especially with women, I am shocking. Like someone, will, I'll meet a woman. She's like, "How old was she?" And I'm like, "Don't." it's a, like, like, a trick question. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, "Could have been 17. Could have been 38." I don't. I have no fucking idea. Like, I'm not surprised anymore. Like, I'm the worst. Uh,
1: when it comes to women and age, it's just I don't know. Is the go-to? I have yeah. no idea.
0: Just quietly back out of the room. Yeah,
1: run, run. I Me mean, not speak English. No, chuck a grenade. And, yeah, and, and run <laughs> those smoke bombs. That's black Deutsch Oh right, mate, beautiful. Right. Shame. I think we covered it. Yeah, please. If you remember, just to wrap it all up, shame is sort of linked to ego. It's sort of like get over yourself. Really, it's I hate I hate that people say you know, harden up and all that sort of stuff. But really, it's it's that you know, um, if if you are in suffering, there's there's something you can do about that. What was that quote I posted? um you can overcome everything except death i think mm, or yes. you know, whatever so suicide there's there is alternatives to suicide is what i would really like to Get across, and yeah, things will suck, and whatever, but everything's impermanent, so whatever sucks at the moment mm. won't last forever.
0: And then we can show those scars the mental ones yeah. just like the physical ones. Show
1: us, your, show us your mental scars, show us your mental scars. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go pulling your brain apart, yeah, you know, to try and show them, <laughs>
0: but be vulnerable with yourself. Love it. All right, guys, that is it for another episode of Men of Metanoia. If you have any questions or anything about the episodes, if you have a topic that you'd like us to discuss, please let us know. You can shoot us an email. What's your one?
1: Hello at mindfit, M-Y-N-D-F-I-T,
0: And myself, Ryan, at au. All right, that is all, mate. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also, leave us a five-star rating. We thank you so much and we'll see you all next time.